What can I do without you? (laughs) Absolutely nothing. Lucy Pearl, without you. This is Late Night Conversations. My name is Patricia Ntuli. Let us uh, do this. Let us remind all our sensitive uh, listeners that if you're under 18, this part of the program is not suitable for you because it's called Closet Conversations and this is the time for you to come closer. But before you do, go to that front door. Please make sure that it is shut tight and then let's uh, get into the closet. Let's talk uh, saucy and sassy things with our guest, Muzi Zuma, who's a makeup artist, TV presenter and also LG BTIQA activist and uh, and I am aware that there's also an accolade uh, Muzi is uh, a finalist for this year's Miss Gay South Africa pageant so we're talking about transgenders and uh, Muzi is a transgender Muzi thank you very much for joining us this evening how are you doing? Thank you so much for having me I'm good thanks how are you? I'm excellent thank you let me remind the A-teamers if they'd like to interact with you they can do so by calling in on 0891 104207 alternatively on 011-714-2006 they can also um, send whatsapps on 0614104107 or sms 41391 Mozi, um, I'd like to know how far you are in your transition when it comes to being a transgender uh, look, it's a very expensive process, and I think it's a very different process in terms of um, um, one's expressionism or one's individuality. Um, for me, as a person, I'm not um, in any way, shape, or form going to be embarking on either sexual reassignment surgery um, or am I on um, hormones currently. But I do um, you know, go for the trance label because um, in terms of my expressionism and how I present myself, I am in transition of finding, um, you know, the perfect way that music can be happy looking in the mirror um, and doing. So currently all I'm doing is just feminizing my body um, and working with um, a medical aesthetic specialist um, just to, uh, you know, decrease levels of testosterone so to not have things like my beard affecting me. Um, as a person who largely wears makeup a lot. Um, so I protect myself as a woman to society. But I think I'm content, um, and this is, uh, I think, the best way I can summarize it. I'm content with my birth gender. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm content with me identifying as, as gay while identifying as trans at the same time. Mm, very interesting um, because it seems you are very open and you are very aligned with yourself. Hence, you are, you, you know, you, you are able to talk to us. And I remember here on the show, we, we had during uh, Pride Month or Gay Month and uh, we had, you know, some guests who came on to explain the journey for us. And in yeah. so doing, sometimes, you know, we don't want to be offensive. We don't want yeah. to um, say the wrong things. We want to be inclusive, but we ask questions because we want to learn as well, so that we can be included in the um, in, in 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 the journey. But you Absolutely. saying you are comfortable with your gender, your birth gender, but the way you express yourself, that's where the trance comes in. So when I meet you as Patricia, do I refer to Muzi as? she or he and i ask this question purely because oh my goodness you are a banger you look hot (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you i appreciate that 
Um, look, um, it, it's a very interesting point that you do make. Um, um, and, you know, and I think for me, I needed to understand um, at a very young age when I think I became a bit um, or somewhat of a socialite, I needed to understand that my, my role had to be bigger, that I was responsible for so much more. Um, and I needed to understand the responsibility that that comes with, um, that if I am going to present myself as an activist of change, if I'm going to present myself as an activist of individuality, as an activist of all, all things LGBT+, and all things trans, I need to understand the kind of conversations I'm entering into. I need to understand that there are um, you know, large levels of conservativeness that come with it. I need to understand there's a lot of social ignorance that comes in the conversations that I'm entering. So when I aspire to break stigma and change narratives, I I, I aspire with understanding that it's going to be a very challenging journey, but it's one that I can only conquer by not being defensive, which I think is um, the way we as activists lose the plot. Um, that when somebody asks you such a thing like a preference, I think for me that's the most dignified thing any human being can do to somebody who is of difference um, in terms of appearance, um, because that, you know, you are showcasing that you're wanting to have a mutual, genuine conversation with somebody. And at no point do you want um, um, you know, the label that you, you end up using in conversation to be offensive. So you, you clear the air and you ask for clarity before you proceed. So I think at, um, a lot of times people find it, they, I, I don't know why they find it offensive, but they, they have a very, like, I defend myself in, in the response. You know, by saying that you know, that's my that's my decision, that's my choice, it's my life. You don't enter into it anywhere. Um, you know, but I think it's just understanding the bigger picture that um, your life is going to be used in conversations to to give language to people who are seeking language. And when you lose that defense, you allow you allow yourself to educate somebody. You allow your your life to be used as a point of reference, which I think is important in making our lives and community inclusive. We are talking uh, to transgender TV presenter, makeup artist, and also uh, a finalist in uh, the CEO's Miss Gay South Africa's pageant, and that is Muzi Zuma. If you've got questions, I mean, if you are like me and you've got questions around uh, being transgender, whether it's about the sex life, whether it's about, you know, legalities of marriage and the likes, please do call in A-teamers. Muzi is here. Muzi is vocal. Muzi is confident. Muzi is good looking and Muzi is willing to share the journey with us. The number to dial is 011-714-2006 or on 891 You can also WhatsApp 0614-104-107 or SMS 41391. Tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. A-teamers, we are talking uh, transgender, uh, getting to understand the T within uh, the abbreviation LGBTIQA. And uh, we've got an activist uh, who is Muzi Zuma, TV presenter, uh, socialite as well, makeup artist, and the finalist for this year's um, Miss Gay South Africa pageant. Make sure that you are interacting. You can call in on 011-714-2006 or even on 891 You can also WhatsApp on 614107. Uh, 104107, that is. Muzi. Okay. I yeah, like hi. to get... I, I want to get deep, okay? 
And if you, if, if you allow me, when I look at your picture and I see Musa, yeah. I see a girl. Yeah. Okay. So you're out in a club and guys are dancing, girls are dancing, people are having fun. And a guy asks yeah. you out. Where, yeah. At which point do you tell this guy that I am transgender or I am gay? Because when um, he looks at you, he sees a girl, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, um, it's, it's a very funny story, but I think for me, I always introduce that fact um, when I see where the conversation is leading. Um, you know, um, I, I, I'm not at a club to be announcing myself to every guy that, hey, listen, um, this is me and this is what I am. So it's for, you know what I mean? So I think there's different conversations um, that you enter into with guys at that setup. Uh, but then I realized uh, that a guy is showing genuine interest. And I think for me, uh, because of the fear of the life that we're living in, um, once um, I, you know, I realized that a guy is wanting to spend any amount of money on me, I think that's at that point where I interject and I make sure that there's clarity um, on both sides, that he knows who he is buying um, you know, um, drinks for, um, and that I feel comfortable. You know, I don't feel like I need to over-feminize myself because, um, you know, there's an elephant in the room. So I think for my own, uh, my, my own sake of comfort, um, it is very important for me to always disclose my, my status, but also to disclose who I am. Uh, and I think for me, um, because of that, you know, very brave stand, I understand it's not something that's easy to do. Uh, but at that point, one needs to to reason with your mind and accept either or. You know, you need to accept um, a guy may possibly rejecting you, you know, because you're not what they want him to sign up for. Uh, but you also need to um, accept the possibility of them, you know, wanting to continue vibing with you and getting you to continue with you and proceeding, um, you know, forward. Um, so I think for me, it's just for my own comfort sake because I don't want to put myself in a compromising situation and I don't want to be in a situation where I am weak. You know, I always want stability to be there. So I think it's very important to put this in my hand. Wow, I'm glad you said that because I know other people will say, but uh, do you disclose everything about yourself the first time you meet a person? Why can't they just wait and, and wait for the big reveal? And I've heard of some disturbing scenarios you know and that's why i ask you this have you ever you know encountered amongst other people within the lgbtqia community who have had disturbing um encounters we must be honest with people but sometimes when we are not honest up front then people get upset yeah um, look i have um i think i have i have had a lot of people reach out to me at the different talks that i do um i have had a lot of uh, people that i do know very close who have experienced the negative side um, um, of things. But I think it's, it's remaining very open in this, com- in this communication. So I think for me it's important for a person to understand how they entered danger and understand how they were in danger and understand what their role and responsibility in the danger that they encountered was so that they don't have a ripple effect going forward. Um, you know, and I always say that if you're going to be working with an intoxicated mind, you do not know what to expect, particularly when you're meeting a stranger. You, do not, you don't know what alcohol does to that stranger. You don't know that stranger at all. So never put yourself in a compromising situation where you're going to exit the, the safety or the comfort that comes with the confines of the club setup and go to the guy's personal space or... 
or invite a guy into um, into your personal space without disclosing something that's so important. Because if you not if you haven't disclosed that and you you lead a guy on, the guy gets to bed and he's expecting one thing. And I think that um, um, sometimes you know different conversations require us to be blunt. Um, you know, if you're going to convincingly convince somebody that you're a female, they're going to get you into bed expecting um, you know a vagina. And if they don't find that there. Um, they are entitled to react however way they want to react to that situation. Because number one, we need to remember that they are intoxicated. Number two, we need to remember that we have not, we have allowed them to, to get to that level of shock because we didn't disclose something that we should have disclosed. You know what I mean? So I always say that as uncomfortable as it is, yes, don't um, go to closing your, um, who you are to every contact and Harry and the club. Don't do that. But, we're all human, yeah, uh, we're all adults. We do know that it is different conversations that we have in class. This conversation is just at a high and a high or a compliment here and there. But there's a conversation that a guy will have to you if they're wanting to bring you to their table or if they are wanting to spend, to, uh, to spend money on you. And at that point, before you proceed with that relationship, I think for me, for your own safety, if you're out there and you identify as trans, for your own safety, please disclose your status to the person who's spending money on you, especially if the conversation is going to lead up to you leaving with them because you're then putting yourself directly at risk. Mm, what you mentioned is very true. Be honest if you know that it's going to get to the next level. I've got some questions here from our A-teamers. Um, let me remind you the WhatsApp number is 0614-104-107. Muzi, this uh, question is coming from Donald Mamboma in Rustenburg. And Donald says, um, good evening, Patricia and all A-teamers. Can you please ask your guest when he is in a public place, which toilet does he use, men or women? Um, so this is something that discomforts me a lot um, because I'm actually uncomfortable in both. So um, I think I've gotten to a point where I have public toilet phobia, um, not because of just being like an ATD Jennifer, but just just out of fear and out of you know being scared of exiting my comfort zone. Um, but when I do and, I, and when I am pressed, I use the paraplegic bathroom um, just because it gives me my own peace of mind. Um, and I get to go about my business without feeling um, the pain of stairs behind my back. Um, and these stairs come from both female bathrooms and male bathrooms. Um, I don't, I don't remember when last I entered a male bathroom. Um, you know, I, I, I do if the disabled toilet is not there or if it's not available. I do enter into the female uh, bathroom. But even there, you get those awkward stairs of people, um, you know, being unfortunate. Um, and I think for me, um, you know, um, if I look at it from a, from an adult uh, perspective, you know, from an adult mind, um, we as the LGBT plus community and women are currently endangered species. And I have read so many stories um, about men who are rapists who, um, you know, gotten up in um, attire and gone into women's bathrooms and raped women. So I do understand that level of fear that comes from um, most women who are maybe uncertain about who I am. Um, and it's granted for them to to feel the fear because of the current climate that we're living in. As much as it is granted for me to feel that fear, um, if I were to um, enter a male bathroom as who I am um, right now. Um, yes, so I think it's just we all need to and look at it from your own perspective and um, and realize if something makes you comfortable, the same thing reverse could make somebody else comfortable. So if you don't want to feel uncomfortable, 
don't be reasons that somebody else feels uncomfortable, especially when society makes them feel fearful and uncomfortable. Mm. So I think for comfort for myself and for the people who are around me in public, public spaces, I always go to the paraplegic toilet. If not, I hold it in until I get to my same zone, which is home. So now, just take me through the last experience when you went into um, a male or even a female uh, bathroom. I mean, you say it's, it's uncomfortable, the stairs are uncomfortable, but I- I'm sure when you go into a female female bathroom um, because you, you usually dressed up and so on and so forth and you look like a female woman would they then detect that you are not female by gender um, you know what I think for me um, with my medical aesthetics journey my body is becoming um, more feminine uh, which is what I want but um, I think because while I'm still in transition there's still going to be a lot of um, miscommunication and misidentification that's going to occur so I try by all means to always have something that um, you know can always show. Um, but for most part of my life, I'm more gender fluid, um, you know. And I think um, because of that, I always look at myself as a Hannah Montana. Because sometimes the get up and the dress up is exhausting, and sometimes I'm literally just going at, um, going to to get one thing. Um, and I'm not going to be all full on beat. I might have a wig here and there. Um, I might be in a skimpy skirt. Uh, but I think, um, you know, when I, when I see myself, I go, okay, I'm going to get magic or so, or so, so I'm going to get And when I know it's not the environment I'm looking to go into, I'm going to, to let's say, for example, not wear a bra with that particular outfit. So as much as you can see and look at me uh, being feminine and looking feminine, but you're going to see my flat chest, which I'm very comfortable to show, just so that you don't get confused at any point. Sure. And uh, I've got another question here from an A-teamer. Yeah. This A-teamer is uh, Litabo Mangole in Nalimpopo. Litabo says, what advice can you give Christians on how to treat you or speak to you as a transgender without being offensive? Um, I think the, uh, the one advice that I give to, to Christians um, is that they must realize that they are Christians. Um, their only duty via Christian life is to accept Jesus and God as their one and only Savior. It is not their duty to, um, to give labels. It's not their duty to give titles. It's not their duty to, to give direction as to how people need to lead their lives. Um, you know, and I always speak about if you're going to be pointing out one um, one sin from the Ten Commandments, we need to be discussing the entire Ten Commandments. Um, and because we're all human and Christians should understand this even more, there is not one person who's living in, on this earth who's 100% um, a non-sinner. You know, Jesus was the only person who was that. Um, and he sacrificed his life for us, you know. But he sacrificed his life because he knew that we were going to be sinners. That's where he gave us the gift of repentance. So if you're a Christian, that's something that you need to understand, that it is not your duty to judge somebody, especially to the point of discriminating against them or segregating them anyhow. Um, so I think the same way that we're wanting um, to be included into society is so that there isn't a gap um, or a differentiation um, barrier, you know, that says, treat heterosexuals this way and then treat the LGBTI community this way. We need to be headed towards a more inclusive society um, where when I say inclusive, where LGBT people, you know, feel comfortable, but also asexual people feel comfortable, but also gender-steward people feel comfortable. And this is from both females and male perspective. And understand that 
time, just because somebody may look like a man and they're female does not necessarily mean that they are um, maybe lesbian or a part of the LGBT family. They just could, you know, be very masculine and they could be tomboys and they could just like wearing masculine clothes. Um, you know, and we need to embrace the opportunity that that too exists without, you know, wanting to box people just because of what we see them to look like. Mm. Um, I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah, I just think yeah. it's, um, you know, it's, it's very important for us to understand the language, to understand each other as human beings. We need to treat each other as human beings and go back to basics and go back to what we were taught in Sunday school and in um, our nursery schools, that do unto others as you would want done unto you. Treat, treat others as you would want to be treated. Um, don't treat me because of my label. Don't treat me because of my title. Yes, if you're wanting to be educated, definitely question me because of my activism. I will definitely be as open as I can be about who I am and what I do. Uh, but if you're wanting to move forward as a people, um, if you're wanting to bring back the spirit of Ubuntu, we really need to start being Abantu and treat each other like being Abantu and not treat each other like we're just um, titles or like we're just body bags. We're, we are human beings. We all have feelings. And in my talks, I always use HIV and HIV AIDS as an example. Um, that be it just gay, bi, straight, LGBT, hetero, sexual or um, you know, um, homosexual, you can get HIV and AIDS if you put yourself at risk of getting HIV and AIDS. Our kitty it can be homo, our kitty can be hetero. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I think that's the one thing that um, should teach people who we are all human men and many see pattern gender bandu abanicans Tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. We are speaking closet conversations and A-teamers, we have a beautiful opportunity of having first-hand experience and knowledge from uh, a transgender slash gay who's also open to us calling him, he or she because that's how comfortable as Muzi Zuma is about um, his own uh, personality or her own personality and uh, sexual preference. Uh, Muzi Zuma is a TV presenter and LGBTIQ a activist, makeup artist, and also a finalist for the Miss Gay SA pageant for this year. Let's interact. The number to dial is 0891-104207 or WhatsApp on 0614-104107. Muzi, I've got another question here. In fact, it's a comment with a question. It's from Sbatle, who's in Cape Town. Sbatle says, I posed a question to a person that seemed visibly trans by saying, hey, are you trans? In hopes of learning more, she took offense. What are ways of trying to learn of the trans community without offending anyone? Um, I just think it's also understanding what is okay as funny as about to know. Um, as much as I could wish Suguti, uh, we'd all treat um, you know such questions as an opportunity of educating. Um, and you know, some you know what what could be offensive to you could not be offensive to me. Um, why I always use my life as an example is that I put myself forward as a trans activist. Um, not every person who's trans, be a trans man or trans woman, not everybody who is trans is um, um, is putting themselves out there to be an activist. So they are definitely entitled to to withhold parts of themselves from people. Um, but um, you know. Um, we can't 
guarantee that. Um, it's unfortunate that they uh, they had that response with Fakhle, but at least she um, or he sent through the message and they could um, get something out of this conversation. Well, we need to be educated so that we don't um, offend each other. But now let's... Uh, I think it's unlikely yeah. to look. Yeah, very important. Um, and we, we need to be open to, to questions. One of the other yeah. questions I've got for you, I mean, when you get into a relationship, let's talk about the sex, you know. It, it, is the sex... You're going through hormonal changes right now as a trans. You're transitioning. Your body's softening up, as you have said. Is the sex the same while you're on your treatment as it was before? Look, I think um, once you start the transitioning process, you're wanting to um, to become um, who you envision yourself to be. You are, um, you know, perfecting things that have disturbed you or things that you that you would want different. So you are becoming a woman. So the same way you would receive a man, you would receive a man as a woman. Um, you know, I think um, sex boils down to intimacy um, and, you know, lovemaking boils down to intimacy um, that comes with a bit of romance. So um, I think the closer you get to your true self, the more comfortable you are um, and the more exciting you are in bed because you're not worried about anything and you're able to receive from sex what sex is going to give you, um, you know. But I think the sense of discomfort could come from people who um, are perhaps not ready to be vulnerable with their bodies while they are changing, and that's absolutely entitled. Um, you know, maybe somebody is wanting to wait until their body is what they want their body to be before they can let somebody um, into that level, and that also is entitled. But I just think at the end, sex is sex, you know, um, and if, you, if you're doing it with somebody good, he can take you to all clouds that you need to go to. Um, but it all boils down to your to your contentment of self, to your knowledge of self, to to your love of self and your appreciation of self. If you don't feel yourself, you're not going to feel intimacy. Um, you know, if, you, uh, if you're not fully in love with yourself, you're not going to be as vulnerable and as open, um, you know, to to somebody else while you're being intimate with them. Um, so, you know, these are things that also boil down to so again, when as a mortal, like where are you in terms of life? Where are you in terms of your mind? Where are you in terms of your journey with self and your journey through life? Mm. Uh, let me let me ask you another question here. In the gay community, we and this I learned on the show that there are tops and there are bottoms. And I want to find out in your case, do you as a trans have to also identify with either either being a top or a bottom, or is it fluid? Um, I don't think there's a yes or no answer to that question. Um, but I do think, you know, if I'm speaking in terms of, um, you know, trans women who are on hormone replacement therapy treatments and who are um, you know, due for their sexual reassignment surgeries, I think, um, you know, they embody and they are taking, um, they are women, you know, so I think um, they, they are going to do what a woman does. Um, in that relationship that they get to. Um, should you encounter somebody who's um, as, as diverse, I think, um, as perhaps I would be, uh, just in my expressionism and also in my individuality, <clears throat> I think that's where you can get um, you know, different perspectives of people being more fluid when it comes to intimacy and sex. Uh, but I mean, I am my mother's child. I am a woman. 
So the role that I play in relationships is that of a woman. Um, the the role that I play in bed um, is that of a, a Venus and um, Scorpio of a woman. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, I like that last part. I'm coming back to that. That I want to come back and understand it. Uh, but uh, before we do, let's go to Ngonde, who's holding on the line. Ngonde, good evening. Yes, Ngonde, how are you, Bob? Lovely, man. You played a nice jazz there. Um, and the jazz came in 75. And I want to ask where you were, but it was all nice. You know? <laughs> Anyway, I've got two comments to a guest. One, he must not try to convince Christians to be accepted. You know what I mean? To accept him. Because Christians are Jamaican people, all right? You've got two types, casual Christians, and I don't want to explain it, and you've got believing Christians. Believing Christians are very far and few in between. Because primarily to the Christians, they're supposed to follow Christ and encapsulate Christ's values. Like, for example, one of the values in, applicable here is inclusivity, right? Christ was acceptable of all people, irrespective of who they were. So for him to expect Christian to change, to be accommodative, he, he is too much optimistic, all right, or presumptuous. He must forget about Christians. They are Demagar people. Secondly, I understand he's transgender and he's, he's, in, a, he's in a process of changing, right? Um, to be a female, if I'm correct. But Ishria, I am nervous about that one, right? Right? If you are transgender, that is your sexual orientation, right? Don't try to be something else. In other words, if you are transgender, you prefer neither to be a male or to be a female, right? Let me finish by saying, empirical studies in the UK reveals that if you are transgender and you do a hormonal change to be a female, for example, or vice versa, to be a male, maybe have, maybe um, genitals to change whatever. But here it's been said empirically that Shortly afterwards, maybe about six months or whatever, a person wants to revert back to what they were. And Patricia has got psychological um, ramifications. Okay? I listen on the radio. Good evening, Patricia. Thank you very much, Ngonde. Uh, Muzi, let's... let's um you know, uh, comment. I want to hear your comments on what Ngonde has said. And uh, he's made two comments here. One on the Christians yeah, who are split. And then uh, the other one on uh, on the research that he's been privy to around transgenders um, wanting yeah. to then reassign after six months. Yeah. Um, look, on, on the first point, I think he, uh, he maybe misinterpreted our conversations there. Um, I don't absolutely think it's a role or a job that I have a mindset to fight in terms of convincing Christians. When I get it on your own, but I think again, as human songs on again, so I don't think we can go out and just say Christians on on are rotten. You know, I think as human beings and as a society, we're all rotten, and we all have vices that we need to fight and conquer. Um, but I think I think where I was going with that um, is that. We need to understand when we enter a place of worship, we're not entering it to be judged, and we're not entering it 
to judge. We're entering, entering it to praise and worship. And when I say we need to get back to basics, those are the things that need to come back to church. Now, church isn't a money-making business. Church is somewhere where we go with this yokai. Now, church is somewhere where we go to get uh, more power and more strength. You know, church is somewhere where we go to pray, to praise and to worship. It needs to always boil down to that, not who is praising um, or who is worshiping. So I think that's just my opinion. Um, and in terms of representation, I think also with me, I am who I am in all spaces I enter. There isn't a particular different look that I that I that I wear when I go to church and something. Um and when it comes to spirituality currently twice you know, and um, I, and I think why I want society to become even more inclusive is because of how beautiful a journey I'm having with my ancestors. That from the beginning, the one thing I had never had to convince them for, or the one thing I never had to explain, or the one thing that I have to, I, I, I never had to, to give reason for was who I am. They accepted me as who I am. They called me because they and because they see something in me that gives them the ability to call me or the desire with me that it will be so. And I didn't get called because I'm gay or because I'm trans or because I'm straight. I got called because of who I am. You know, so I think that contentment that I'm now powered with from the spiritual side allows me to be even more confident. But to the more exciting or the more interesting topic we need to speak on, on the second opinion, um, I think, again, it's also just understanding how sensitive um, an environment it is. And I think everybody out there needs to understand how sensitive it is. It isn't just an easy thing. It's not a fairy tale where you get to flick a wand and, and become this and then flick a wand again and become that and have a genie. Um, you know? And I think all the doctors who are correctly doing it and we are following the correct procedures from beginning until end, um, produce people who, who live their full lives um, as their desired gender because they've, con- they've been consistent in all the steps that they need to follow. He's absolutely right. It's absolutely psychological. It's a psychological, mental, and physical process that needs to be treated as such. Um, I know one of the things that you need to convince is you need a letter from your therapist, your psychiatrist, and your psychologist. Um, and you need to have shown that you have lived, um, I think it's a year or two, as a woman before you even embark on any other hormone replacement treatment or, or, or even, uh, you know, be booked for a sexual reassignment um, surgery. But I think it's understanding that, you know, there's people who cut the corners, doctors who cut the corners, and doctors who cut the corners then give, you know, people who may be going through an uncertain time, if that's a possibility, uh, they then you know, give them power to, to get the easy way out. Um, and I think what I want people to understand is that the lives we live are painful. We live a very painful life. We wake up every single day, we get judged. We get discriminated upon. We get called different kind of names. We get um, looked down and uh, up and down. We get uh, the, ground, the ground we walk on gets spat on by people we need to respect as our mothers. There's a lot that we go through. You know, and I only speak and I say that nurses and doctors need to remind themselves when an 18, 21 something year old comes to them and asks for hormone replacement, um, they, they need to treat them with extra care because I've spoken to so many who have, you know, gone on hormones, not necessarily because they want to change their agenda or become the gender that they desire to be, but because they can't deal with the verbal abuse, they can't deal with the harsh and the horrible and the unfair life that we lead as, as LGBT. You know, they can't deal with, uh, with 
the daily abuse. So they find the easy way out. And the best way to wear makeup and wear heels and wear wigs is if you've got a pair of breasts on your chest. And one of the things that you get first when your body changes is um, it's a pair of boobs. You know, so there are so many young kids who I've spoken to who have gone on hormones not because they want to, to, to change their gender, but they're just wanting to live a softer life. So I think, again, that should wake South Africans up. They are putting people at risk by, by being conservative and by being abusive and by being harsh. And we're all responsible at the end of the day. Uh, but we, we're, I'm not responsible for how South Africa deals and reasons. I'm responsible for this particular conversation. I'm responsible for my testimony, and I'm responsible for the bit of change that I can do with my, with my reach. And I think I try to do that to the best of my ability. Um, you know, so I just think, again, you just need doctors and the medical, the medical force to also be with us. But also, everybody needs to understand that it is a, psych- a psychological, it's a mental, and it's a physical process. It's harsh, it's hard, and it's long. And it's one that can't be rushed. And it shouldn't be rushed. You're becoming your true self. You're becoming who you want to be. Don't rush it so you can enjoy being who you've always wanted to be. You know what I mean? Let's take a bit of a breather on that and uh, come back to more questions that we have from the A-teamers on WhatsApp. The number to dial A-teamers for WhatsApp uh, is 0614-104-107. SMS SAFM now on 41391. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Dooley, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. We are talking to Muzi Zuma, who is a uh, TV presenter and also an activist for the LGBTIQA community. And Muzi is giving us his experience about uh, his journey, in fact, on being a transgender. Muzi, I've got a question here from our A-teamer. This A-teamer says, you know, and from Morris, right? Morris says, my question to your guest is, does he, as a trans individual, experience any mental distress? due to external factors such as discrimination and lack of support or the tension resulting from having a gender identity that differs from the assigned one at birth? Um, oh, interesting question. Look at me quoting Beyonce. I never expected that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's a very interesting question. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, like I say, and I'm going to reiterate it, it is a very harsh life. So... Um, is my mental health affected by it at any point? Yes. Um, but also I think what makes it worse for me um, is that I've kind of offered my life as a sacrifice, if that makes sense. Um, and because of my work and uh, my outreach programs um, and moving back to KZN kind of opened my eyes um, you know, to, to just how harsh a reality um, LGBT plus community, my family lives, particularly in the remote rural communities. So um, I think my outreach programs are focused there because there there's ignorance. Um, there there's um, you know, lack of media. There there's no education. There there are LGBT plus people who are literally murdered, correctively raped, um, who are abused daily from a young age just because um, of the official orientation and the fact that the entire community does not understand and the entire community is not educated. So I think because of that, um, you know, that that's added baggage on me, and you know, in terms of 
um, what, I get, what I want to achieve um, in terms of my driving factors, things that motivate me to keep on fighting. Um, you know, when, um, when I feel like I'm fighting a losing battle or where, where I encounter a horrible situation or when I hear a horrible testimony, those are all things that bring um, me down, um, you know. Um, so do I feel low and does my mental health get affected? Definitely. But uh, because I am aware of, um, of my role and my responsibility, um, I, I, I see a psychologist and a psychiatrist every single month. Um, again, because I am aware of the, of, of the responsibility at my hands, uh, I am aware of the responsibility that comes with engaging in the conversation that I engage in, particularly when I present myself, myself as somebody who, number one, wants to take up space, but I also want to break stigma. I want to change narratives, but I also want to educate those who desperately need education because it's going to, to lead to the betterment of the quality of lives lived by the LGBT community. Um, yeah, so I hope that answers the question. Now, there's another one here uh, that comes from Anonymous in West Rand. Anonymous says, um, Manduli and your guest, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. A well-respected married friend of mine of about two decades, whom we lost contact for about 10 years, we just met recently during lockdown level three. He just told me how much he feels about me and he's asking me to be romantically involved with him. And to tell you the truth, I was shaking like a leaf as I developed some goosebumps and he's always calling me, asking to see me. How can I tell him that I'm straight and I don't do men without ending our boy's relationship? Yo, yo, yo. This is, this is hectic. This is hectic. That's hectic. Okay, That's f- hectic. Firstly, why I say it's hectic is because here is a man who is in a married relationship. A man who is married. To a woman. To a woman who is then asking a friend out. So clearly this person is having their own issues in the closet. And now yeah. this, how would you respond to the situation? Um, look, I need to be as honest as I can be at this moment. You know, it's, it's things that I don't um, pride myself for. Is that... <laughs> 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 look at us having closet conversations. But no, um, do I get approached by married men? Yes. Um, mm. Do I entertain some of those requests? Yes. Um, but most of the requests that I do entertain um, are those that I find out later on in our journey that they are married. Um, you know, so are there married men who are um, leading a double life? Yes. Um, but also, it's just like, why not? You know what I mean? Um, it's just also understanding that um, not every family understands. Not every family um, is inclusive. Not every family is open. Um, you know, so there are people who were forced to marriage um, because of their families. And also what's sad is that once a family, particularly, and I'm going to see from my own culture, and this comes from my own experience by traveling rural KZN, is that when fathers um, and uncles um, kind of sense or, or see hints of, of homophobia in their, in their sons and in their nephews, they are very quick to select wives, to, to, to indoctrinate these these boys to to conform to a heterosexual lifestyle. What that um, what that leads to, it leads to them getting married. Um, but also, this again is something that started years ago. Um, and the more advanced we get in our movement, the the harder we fight, and the more um, and the more stigma we break, the more 
we give other people confidence to come out of the closet. The more we give other people confidence to explore, um, the more we give other people interest um, and give them excitement to want to explore. Um, and, the, and, 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 and I think this happens, you know, they, um, on, in all marriages. Um, is that what, once somebody feels like they're stuck in, the, in a rut, they entertain um, options of exploration, especially exploring something different um, and exploring something that you are hearing more of and something that you're seeing more of. We're seeing more couples getting married, um, gay couples getting married. So to somebody who is somebody else's husband, um, they could have wanted a husband from a very young age. And you're seeing now that society is changing, that it's allowed that to be an opportunity. And once you reach a particular age in life, you get to the point that you don't give an F, you know? Mm. You don't give a rat but, but, bottom who thinks what. And then you... But don't you think, Muzi, don't you think it, it is, um, especially for the married man, you are married, you are now having, and it's not only because he's wanting to go out with another man, it's just infidelity on its own. If you are no longer happy or satisfied, whether it's sexually or emotionally in that relationship, wouldn't it be better to then tell the partner that you're with? So that even if you don't have to disclose to the entire world, but at least be honest to the person that you're with. Definitely, definitely. Um, but I think also what we need to be woke to um, is that this is somebody who is coming out the closet. Um, and I always, you know, let's use a metaphor of teenagers. You know, when teenagers turn 13, um, you know, we call it a child wants to be an adult. They want to do adult things. They want to drink all this alcohol. They are learning about becoming an adult. You know, so, so when this adult then starts exploring, I'm not, and, and please, and nobody get me wrong. I'm not justifying infidelity at all. Um, but I am just saying that when I speak of the mentality that comes with it, um, is that now this is when this person, who let's just for argument's say, uh, sake, say was, uh, is gay, because we're birthed as homophobes. You know, it's not something that we just shot for um, at a retail outlet. It's, it's who we are. It's who we were born to be. It's who we were born as. So when this a person realizes that the world has changed, that it's, uh, it's now okay for them to be who they are, they're not just going to be up and jump and say, okay, I'm leaving your wife uh, because I'm gay and I want her husband. Um, they are going to go through the journey that we um, go as single people. So, hey, I'm out here, single, marry me, find me if you're rich. Um, so we're, um, you know, so <laughs> we also go through that journey of, of discovering ourselves. And when you discover yourself, you exit comfort zones. Um, sorry, that is my alarm. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, so um, it, it, it's just those moments that um, I think we need to be unbiased at how we, we look at it. And we just need to understand um, that it's a mental procedure and it's a mental process. It's something that I do hope that when somebody then becomes content in their decision, when they, when they realize that they actually want a husband, that they, they love their wife and they respect their, um, their wife enough to sit them down um, and, uh, and break that to them. Um, but again, we can't change that and we can't, we, we can't have every single husband doing right by their wives. Um, and this is, again, something that when we speak of inclusivity, it's something that happens in heterosexual marriages, you know, where husbands and wives are, in, uh, you know, do infidelity. Mm. Um, you know, um, I think that, again, is another social, um, 
social pandemic that we have to fight on the on, on the side, but I don't think we will win. But that's just about almost if somebody wants to cheat, it's something that we all need. It's painful to learn, but they can't achieve. Um, whether they cheat on a man or they cheat um, with a woman, they are cheating at the end of the day. It's infidelity. So it doesn't become worse infidelity when they have sex with a man, nor does it become worse infidelity when they, when they cheat with a woman. At the end of the day, it's infidelity and needs to be treated as such. Um, but I think for me, why I wanted to have you know, this conversation is to, is to just kind of make people aware um, of the mental journey that happens to that husband who's just rediscovering themselves um, and when they rediscover themselves, they realize just how unhappy their lives were, where they could have sensed, um, you know, unhappiness, but they they maybe couldn't have known where where it stems from. And um, it's not even to to say that that husband is is full on gay. We spoke of bisexuals at the beginning of this conversation. They just could be bisexual. Mm, mm. That's another, um, you know, that's another possibility that could happen. Um, you know, if a husband is cheating with another um, another male, it doesn't necessitate that they are gay. They could be bisexual. Um, you know, so I've been involved in many relationships where um, I, I, I was given an opportunity of becoming a second wife to a heterosexual marriage. Wow. Um, it wasn't this comforting um, setup to be in. It was a complete mind it was a complete mind fudge from beginning to end it was we were a tripod of confusion listen listen (laughs) (laughs) the way i would like to hear the entire story especially this one my goodness but because of time we need to close off right and i'm going to ask that in the near future you and i actually have this conversation about this uh tripod of you and uh and a bisexual husband plus the wife because that's an entire conversation on its own would you allow us uh, to invite you again Definitely. You guys have my number. Excellent. Muzi, thank you very much for uh, joining us uh, this evening and giving us your time. And good luck with your journey into us. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, and I look forward to the next time where we get to have a late-night conversation. Togoza, Koko, Togoza. That was Muzi uh, Zuma. And uh, Muzi was so generous, and uh, he gave us his time and his honesty. And I think that's uh, the one thing that we need from uh, the entire LGBTIQA community so that we can learn and know how to say things and understand so we can also support our family and friends children alike who might be going through these transitions and life changes. That's the end of the show. Three minutes after midnight, in fact, four minutes after midnight, it is officially Wednesday, the 14th of October. Uh, Make sure that you are awake at 3 a.m., between 3 and 5 a.m. to uh, catch Mandla Shangwe with a sound awake. From uh, the A-team on this side, may goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success.